Welcome to Student Transitions, A Time to Thrive. Life is full of change and resulting periods of transition. And some of our big transitions begin as students, as we move through the educational process and then on to the world of work or further education, university and independent living. If we can learn as students how to thrive through transitions, we will have acquired skills that will support us through a lifetime of change and transition. So, if you're facing changes in your life as a student, listen on as we share our insights and suggestions to help you thrive in a world where change is the only constant. just before we get into today's podcast, I want to tell you about some additional resources available to you. First, this podcast is available with a full transcript for free. Then, for a small fee, you can access a think sheet for each episode in this 10-episode series. They're designed to help you reflect on the content of each episode. To learn more, go to louisewiles.com forward slash successful dash student dash transitions. Hello and a very warm welcome back to Student Transitions. I'm Louise Wiles and I'm here together with Elizabeth Gillis and we're thrilled to be back. This time today we're going to be talking about relationships but in particular about asking for help. So this perhaps follows on from the previous episode about self-compassion because this is one way that you can demonstrate self-compassion for yourself and asking for help. And um, if you haven't listened to that previous episode, then go back. I really highly recommend that. And it's probably a good one to listen to before you listen to this one. Now, I reckon if I were to ask many students what one of their biggest worries was about their move to university or students moving on to a new area and a new job, they would probably say that they were pretty worried about making friends, fitting in developing new relationships with other students or with colleagues and I think this is a totally understandable and natural concern and I'm just wondering Elizabeth is this something that you've perhaps struggled with I mean knowing that you've moved around the world you've you've transitioned to to living in new countries how did friendships and building friendships figure for you in those scenarios? Well you have to start from the beginning again don't you? (laughs) Because everything is left behind and you're back at base one about where do you go and meet people? How do you do it? You know, what kind of people are you even looking for? Um, Where am I going to meet those people? So you, you go off into these new situations and you have to be really kind of conscious and intentional about how you're going to do things, but you haven't been before. So you had your group of friends. So sometimes you have to kind of be thinking about, well, why were they my friends? What did I like about them? Because that's what I've got to kind of replicate or I want to kind of continue doing that kind of thing that 
that worked for me. So it is that kind of being back at the beginning again. And I I do think for, you know, if we go into the um, leaving school um, scenario, you know, often, you know, you as young people have been in the same school for a long time and you've never really had to make new friends or do things or ask for help because you know where it all is. Um, and so it's a new it's a new place. You have to find out those things. And it's about starting again, knowing nothing, mm. knowing what you need to know. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of good reasons for why we might feel a little bit threatened by the task of, of building new relationships and friendships, um, learning to live in a new environment. And, you know, from a psychological perspective, much of the motivation that drives our social behaviour is governed by this sort of overarching organising principle where we aim to minimise threat and maximise reward. And the area of relatedness, as it's called in often in sort of psychology, is, is one area where our sense of safety um, with others is, is really important. So we feel that that is threatened and we can have quite a sort of a threat response to it um and you know our, our, our threat response circuitry is activated when we feel threatened in that area and often our response is then to disengage or avoid so if you're at university or moving to university and you, you have in your mind you know, that those first meetings perhaps you've got you're working you're, you're living in a, a catered accommodation you know you're going to have to walk into that that dining hall um, not knowing anybody you know that can feel challenging and our sort of threat response to that is to well I'm going to avoid that perhaps I won't bother doing that on the first day or the second day I'll go and have a sandwich instead um, but I think the important thing to know is that actually that feeling is so normal um, it's nothing different from probably what the rest of the students are all feeling, even though they may be smiling and looking very confident. Everyone will be feeling a bit uncomfortable about that. Um, and, and you're no different. So I just wanted to put that out there and explain why you might be feeling that sort of fear response. You know, social situations absolutely can feel threatening and it's totally normal. And we need to know it's normal. Um, and but we won't be the only one feeling that way. So in terms of relationships and, and sort of building new relationships, there's a few things to bear in mind. You know, our response to new situations um, can also be sort of enhanced and made to feel awkward or a bit awkward by our inability to accurately predict other people's thoughts and emotions. So we all think we know what other people are thinking. Um, and we think we know that people like us um, think in a similar way, but actually that's not the truth. And, you know, people generally are not um, thinking in exactly the same way as us. And our predictions about what they are thinking are not always right. In fact, our guesses around whether people are telling the truth um, and whether they are thinking like us, we are about 50% right, 50% wrong. So little more than chance really. So one thing to tell ourselves when we're sort of meeting new people and, and building that sort of narrative in our heads about what they're thinking about us and what they're thinking about the situation is that actually we're often quite wrong. <laughs> so let's not believe what we're thinking necessarily. Take it with a pinch of salt and, um, and ask some questions to clarify. And, you know, our need to 
develop that relatedness and our connection with people has really strong evolutionary roots. And Elizabeth, I know you talked about this in the previous podcast. So I just wondered if you could just quickly summarise for us why we have this strong desire to connect and to be part of a tribe. Well, I th- I, the, the, the kind of story goes, uh, we basically have the same mind that we have had for 200,000 years. So our mind says, you know, when we lived in these small tribes of Stone Age people, um, if you weren't part of the tribe, you would die quite quickly. So being part of the tribe, you had to make sure you were a part of the tribe and you didn't want to be thrown out. You needed to think, um, you know, am I doing my job as part of the tribe? Am I contributing enough? Am I being accepted? You know, uh, you know, um, am I friendly enough with people? Am I doing the right things? Because if our mind wasn't thinking of that, then we weren't going to survive. And of course, Nowadays, we don't live in these small tribes. We're, you know, highly connected with other people. But our mind sometimes goes into that default setting. And we have to know that that's what our mind does sometimes. And also we have to remind ourselves that, well, that is one way of thinking. It's trying there to protect us. But actually, we don't need that anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think as we're thinking about why relatedness and building our relationships is so important to us, um, you know, in times of transition, some of these relationships really help us through those periods because, you know, when we're experiencing the positive emotions that are connected with often good relationships, so that sense of, of joy and compassion um, that we've talked about in the previous session, but also trust with friends, you know, and even love, love for our friends, love for our you know, relationships, depending on, on, on the context. That all helps us to connect and attach to social networks. And um, from that, we then develop our ability to cooperate and support each other, to feel physically well, intellectually well, emotional, um, and, and to prosper emotionally. So really sort of positive reasons for developing that sense of relatedness in our in our relationships with others. And also there are strong physiological benefits as well. So you know, when we're in situations of you know, good relating, if you like, with where we feel comfortable with others and good social content context, we produce a hormone such as oxytocin, which reduces anxiety and increases our ability to concentrate and focus. So there's a very positive outcome of that sort of connection, if you like, from a physiological perspective. And then also over time, strong social connections boost our cardiovascular system, our immune systems. And that means that the better our connections, the better better we function. So it's really beneficial to, to develop for our bodies, for our psychology, our connections and relationships. And it helped to reduce our stress and increase our overall sense of well-being. Um, and belonging to a community um, gives us a higher sense of life satisfaction, greater sense of self-esteem, and faster recovery from illness, apparently, as well. So lots of lots of really positive reasons. So over the coming weeks, we'll probably come back to this subject of relationships and connection. 
Um, but I think the really good thing to know about developing relationships is there doesn't have to be any great overarching strategy or complexity around it. You know, a little small steps and micro things that we can do that can move relationships further. And we will come back and discuss that in more. But one of the ones that helps is, is asking for help. And I think this is one of our weaker points as a human race. We tend not to do it. There's a lot of evidence suggests that we are often very good at contributing and supporting others, but a bit like the self-compassion, um, we don't you know, take the time to look at the help that we need and then articulate that and ask for it. And the reason we don't, well, I don't know, Elizabeth, why do you think we don't ask for help? <laughs> do you know the word that was coming to mind when you were saying that is about vulnerable? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's hard to be vulnerable sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's hard to kind of be, to say that I'm struggling partly because of all the social comparison stuff that we've, that we've been talking about. So, and, and, you know, reading minds as well, you know, it's about if I'm saying I'm struggling or I'm saying I'm vulnerable, how are people going to respond to me? Mm-hmm. So you're kind of starting to judge what other people might be to like towards you and in fact most people when we say I'm struggling I'm vulnerable I need help most people are doing that compassionate thing that we talked about earlier and saying how can I help what can I do so it is a bit like kind of we're judging ourselves we're judging how other people how we think other people are going to view us yeah there's vulnerability around there isn't there Louise yeah yeah absolutely I think we kind of say see feel that we're going to come across as incompetent mm. yeah and perhaps a bit lazy because mm. we're not doing it for ourselves um or maybe we've had a request rejected in the past and mm. so we we know how that felt and it wasn't particularly enjoyable so we want to avoid that happening again um but research has shown that on the whole people do want to help and when we make a reasonable intelligent request the asker is more likely to be perceived as competent. So actually, the the reality is the opposite right, way round. You know, if we ask for help in a in a positive way, a way that demonstrates that we know what we want, the person who is you know, thinking and receiving that request will actually see us as more competent than had we not asked it in the first place. So I think that, and that's probably a really important message for you. You know, in the university setting or in the work setting where you have questions about your work and what you need to understand you know, ask if you don't know ask no one will judge you for that um and it, you know they'll probably see you as more competent more organized um so, so louise i was gonna say asking for help is a strength isn't it yes absolutely so yes. we go back to yes. talk about strength yes. of asking for help saying i'm not sure how to do this is this how i do it or you know it's mm. a it's a very it's a good quality to have yes definitely definitely um, and if someone has previously refused your request, they're more likely to help you a second time if you ask a second time. So um, there is you know, that request and the refusal is difficult, I know, but perhaps go back and ask again. You, you'll find you'll get a different response. And also the recipient of a request for help um, is likely to feel closer to you. And that in return increases their inclination to help you and to continue to help you in the future. So it contributes to your relationship. So there's a positive benefit of asking for help in that sense too. Um, but as I said earlier, you know, research has shown that most of, us, most of us are better at 
as being givers than actually asking askers for help. And many people are over generous givers. So they spend all their time giving at the cost of their own performance and productivity. So it's really important to take time out to think about this and to think about how much you do give in relation to how much you ask. Um, so in, in, in his book, and there's a guy called Wayne Baker has done a lot of research about asking for help. And in his book, he says that, you know, he, he categorizes the ideal person as a giver requester person who's doing both. And he reckons that only an Elizabeth, could you guess what percentage of us overall he's found in his research are this ideal sort of group of giver requesters? So you would want it to be 50-50, wouldn't you? But it's like, so the, so how many people are, are equal to giving and receiving? Is that right? Yeah. Well, how many people are? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Mm. 10%. Yeah, yeah, spot on. That was a guess. <laughs> read the book. No, so 90% are actually not doing it. So that probably means most of us. Um, and in our resources, I'll put a link and you can actually go and do an assessment and find out what your sort of giving requesting strategy is. Um, but you know, the whole point is that we need to think about how we ask for help. And when you do this, others will think of you, think well of you because you, you, know, you are able to, as for those reasons I've talked about above, it helps you to develop relationships. So we need to ask for help, but we also need to help learn how to ask for help in a way that gets a positive response. So we need to think about what we're asking for help about. And Wayne Baker has a a strategy for that he calls it his his smart strategy so a bit like with the goal setting there's a smart strategy there's one for asking for help too and it's actually different so it's not the same as the goal goal setting um, strategy so smart is an acronym and it starts with s s stands for being specific so he says be as specific as possible about what you want so if it's information be specific about the information that you need so clarity around that then M stands for meaningful. And that's about why you are making the request. It's really important that you explain why it's important to you that you get this help from somebody else. And if they understand that, then they'll feel quite motivated to helping you. So why is a great motivator. Then A stands for action-orientated. So what actually needs to happen? What do you want this person to do? Realistic don't be too be asking for too big a stretch, you know, for someone to help you. <laughs> be realistic. You know, they have busy lives. Um, so you ask for something that you think it's realistic within the time that you're giving them that they would be able to respond. Um, and then make sure your request is timed. So, you know, requested, yeah, give a deadline. So by tomorrow, could you do X for me? Um, and then everyone knows where they are in relation to that. I really like that, Louise. I like I like um, you know, having that thought about why this is important to you. Mm, mm, yeah, because I want yeah. to do a good, good have a good grade. I want my bit of work to be in on time. You know, um, I want to be able to complete the first assignment or something. Yeah. So uh, you know that 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 for me anyway that meaningful bit is re that M is really important. Mm. 
Mm. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you're asking, you know, for support from, say, tutors or, you know, you know people in your departments, understanding that, you know, that probably will set you apart from other people who's just expecting, you know, some support of some and haven't really defined it well. So, and and, and, and if you have defined it well, then people know that you're taking it seriously, that you, you, you're, you are clear about what you're asking for, you know, you're not just a time waster or um, asking someone to do something for you um, because you don't want to do it yourself. You know, if you're clear about what you're wanting and why, then that helps the person that you're requesting the help from. So I was thinking about, you know, in the university setting or perhaps in the work setting as you're sort of developing your new connections, relationships and settling in and have a lot to find out and discover and to understand. You know, asking for help has a really big part to play. Um, and, you know, as you develop your new friendships, take time to think about what you're asking people for help for um, and how you phrase it, because that will contribute to developing the relationship with them. And, and think about your giving and requesting ratio. <laughs> you don't want to be giving in a huge excess to requesting. Um, I don't think it has to be like for like, but you, you, know, you don't want to be um, seen as a giver. Um, sometimes also referred to as perhaps a people pleaser and not actually um, getting some support for yourself in return. And I was also thinking, you know, in a university setting, but then also in a work setting, if you're working on projects with people and you're, you know, starting meetings with people, a nice way to start the meetings and to develop some connection between everyone is to say, let's spend the first five, 10 minutes of this meeting just going around asking everybody, well, what are you actually working on now? And what help do you need? And then anyone within that group can offer the help if they feel qualified to do so. So you're increasing and enhancing the resources available to everybody by the number of people in that group. Um, and it also gets everyone into this habit of you know, asking for help and offering help, being, um, which I think is, is really powerful. Mm -hmm. Then I think more broadly thinking about you know, the university setting and the services that, that are provided, you know, this gives you a framework for asking for help. So use the SMART acronym. But if you are needing help, you know, financial help or well-being support, um, you know, you have this framework and you can go and put together a request and ask for support. And I think it's really important at the beginning of your time at university or in your new work setting to find out what facilities and support services are available to you. So I know Elizabeth, you had a few thoughts on this. Yeah, I, I think we're going to put some links in the think sheets, um, but there are a good, Student Minds is a good one that gives lots of um, advice about mental health issues yeah, in particular, but your own university website will have some kind of portal about where to get help. Now, it could be help for study. It could be help for money. It could be help for accommodation. So there'll be whole kind of hosts of things. So it'd be really good to get to know your online university before you actually arrive there so that you see if there's support there. You know, I know some young people who have um 
sort of some needs and they get those things sorted out. So you might have a visual problem or you might have ADHD or even going into a work setting, you might have a specific need to be met. And usually universities are very supportive of those things. Once you have have your paperwork, best of it all done in that, you know, before you start, um, try and get it all done before then and submit it. And often they will there'll be support there for you for a particular thing. So get to know your own university website. Fantastic. Yeah. Great. Okay, well, I hope that that has helped you think about um, how you might build relationships and use asking for help as one way of, of building those relationships, but also supporting yourself. And, um, you know, and getting the best resources and support you can um, for your time in your new career or at university. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for listening today. Thanks. We will be back soon with our next episode. Bye bye for now. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that you found this session that I'm asking for help, well, helpful. Here's a quick summary to help you record key points. When we move to live somewhere new, we have to think about friendships and relationships in a completely novel way. Psychologically, our organising system is designed to minimise threat and maximise reward. The area of relationships and relatedness is one area where our sense of safety and security is important. When that support system is not obvious, as in new situations, we may feel discomfort, and that is quite normal. Remember that we're all pretty bad at guessing what other people are thinking or feeling, and so it's important to verify our thoughts rather than believe everything we think in new situations. Also, remember our brain is a bit antiquated and still seeks out connection and belonging as it would have done 200,000 years ago when our belonging to a tribe would have been a matter of life and death. There are many really positive reasons for why relationships are important to us. Can you remember what they were? They relate to psychological and physiological benefits of connection. It turns out connectedness and belonging have very powerful benefits for us. Who knew? There are many strategies that help us to develop relationships and one is asking for help, which is the focus of this episode. But research has shown that we're not actually very good at it. We talked about Wayne Baker's work and his identification of people as givers, takers and the ideal, giver requesters. I wonder which you are. When asking for help, we need to think about how we rephrase that, how we phrase that request. Wayne Baker has developed the SMART acronym and we discuss the five elements of a well-constructed request for help. It needs to be specific, meaningful, action-orientated, realistic and timed. Remember to think about where to look for resources to help you as well. Your university will have a wide range of supportive services, so do search the website and ask staff for help. And that goes for colleagues if you're starting work too. If you follow the links in the podcast notes, you'll be able to access the transcript and for a small fee, the think sheet we've created for you to help you in putting this session's content into practice. 
that's all for today. We'll be back soon when we will be talking about episode seven about procrastination and a shout out for more on relationships in episode nine. Please do reach out to us if we can help you further in any way. Bye-bye for now and do take care.